I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Na 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 Batman. I wonder what we're gonna talk about. Let's the fan and the hater, one who loves joy and one like Vader, one loves pop culture, one thinks it's torture. They both think they're right, so let's hear them fight. Reviewing movies and what's on TV. Let's the fan and the hater. Hey, I like that. It was pretty catchy. I hated it. The timing was off and it was out of tune. Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. I am excited. One of my favorite subjects. Today we're going to talk about Batman. Most importantly, the people that have played Batman. There's a lot of controversy in this. A lot of people with a lot of different opinions, and all of their opinions are correct. Your opinion is your opinion. Everybody has their own idea of who Batman is, what Batman sounds like, and what Batman is supposed to be. So today we're going to kind of dive into the main people that have played Batman, who did it best, and just have that conversation over who played what well. So we're focusing on, are we opening this up to everything live action, people, animated series? Is there any, everything's in bounds? Mostly looking at live action, both the old TV series, which I actually don't really know much about, mostly the movies, but also the animated shows and animated movies, because that's a whole nother medium that they do well. I obviously do not have as great of an affinity with the character as you do. I am a fan of Batman, and I have seen pretty much all of the Batman live-action movies at least once. Uh, I have seen some of the Batman animated movies and animated series, but not anywhere near to the level that you have. But when I guess hear people bring this topic up, a lot of it seems to me to bear it down between people saying, there's a difference between playing Bruce Wayne and playing Batman. Not to sound ignorant here, but... What is the crux of what they're talking about? Is it Are we really talking about two different characters? Yeah. Yeah, we really are. And that's, that's exactly the point that a lot of people tend to make. So Batman is basically who Bruce Wayne feels like he is. Bruce Wayne is a character he portrays to throw the scent off so people don't think that he's Batman. And that's where it really gets into, and I have a very controversial opinion on this, on who played the part the best, because a lot of actors play Batman really well, but then when they go to play Bruce Wayne, they don't really play much different. And that's really not what the intent is and what it should be, in my opinion, at least. From the way you just said that, it almost made it sound like we usually think of the superhero has a secret identity, which is the regular person. You almost made it sound like the other way around, that Batman is who Bruce Wayne really is, and Bruce Wayne is his alter ego. I, I'm not saying yeah. this correctly. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. So there's actually an episode in Batman Beyond where he gets mind controlled. Bruce Wayne does. And okay. so the Terry McGinnis Batman, who is Batman Beyond, the future Batman, has to save him. And when he does save him, there's a part where actually Bruce Wayne had come out of it and defeated it himself. And he asks how he did it. 
He goes, well, because in my head, I kept hearing me myself referred to as Bruce Wayne. And that's not what I call myself in my head. So that really kind of gives you an insight into Batman's head of he is the goddamn Batman. He is Batman. Bruce Wayne is another person that doesn't need to exist, but does exist in the real world. So he just uses the Bruce Wayne identity to help Batman work. That makes sense? That does. And I, I can't help but wonder if that's sort of a different perspective for other superheroes. I think a lot of other superheroes adopt a costume and a persona to protect their personal life mm-hmm. and keep their family safe. But they still identify with that person. It's just that when they put on the, the mask or the cape or the outfit, it gives them the freedom to fight crime and, and be a superhero and be a, a separate identity. But I think most of them still identify with the person behind the mask. Yeah, and you're saying it's, that it's more the opposite for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, to me, it is at least. And that, that's, that's how I've always read it more so recently. But Batman's always been, I mean, he's always so dedicated to being Batman. The only reason Bruce Wayne exists is for Wayne Enterprises and to protect Alfred and Dick Grayson and those that are connected to him on a personal level. That's the only reason Bruce Wayne exists. If he could separate, I don't think he would ever go back to being Bruce Wayne. He would just be Batman 24 hours. Is it fair to say that maybe unlike other heroes, there isn't much to Bruce Wayne in a sense he doesn't have much of a personal life? Well, he does and he doesn't. And that's something that actually they they portrayed pretty well in the Christopher Nolan trilogy, where he would portray Bruce Wayne as going out and partying and having the models and taking, oh, I took the ballet out on a yacht for a weekend or whatever. That's the kind of stuff that he would do as Bruce Wayne to make it look like he's this big night owl party person. So people couldn't, you know, if he's out partying at night, he can't be Batman. Right, but my point is that he's playing that persona so that people don't connect the dots and say, hey, I think Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. He's not doing that because that's his real life that he wants to live. No, actually, he doesn't like he plays that part, but he doesn't actually like drink or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't actually portray it, actually play the part like he'll, he'll order a drink and then slyly dump it somewhere or something like that. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll get these these model girls, bring them home and then just pay them off and say, hey, if anybody asks we. We did this stuff. Try to keep it PG here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point I'm stumbling around is that you do see in other heroes actually trying to make time for yeah. having a personal life, making something in that they are not just having a personal life to, hey, look, I'm not whoever the hero is because I'm over here having this life, but they actually are having a life. Bruce Wayne seems to be very much the fictional character in his yeah. mind. He and exists. the real one is Batman. Yeah, he exists only for Wayne Enterprises and to protect Alfred, more or less. Okay. So in that vein, then, what defines someone who plays Bruce Wayne real well, then? Do they have to be some, like, shallow, disconnected, disinterested, I'm a rich party boy, I don't really care about anything? Kind of. Is that what you're looking for when it, you think of someone who plays Bruce Wayne well? More just like a smooth, charismatic, not necessarily party boy, He's, he's smart enough that he runs Wayne Enterprises, and he has to portray that way. But he's just suave and smooth and smiley, which is kind of the opposite of Batman. Whereas Batman is dark and broody. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's rough. When he says things, it's not smooth. It's direct, to the point, hurts your feelings because he's not going to mince words at all. So that, that's the difference between the two. Like, for instance, Michael Keaton. 
for a lot of people, he he was the best Batman. He was the Batman. Well, yeah, he was great as Batman. But then you get, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. That's not something Bruce Wayne would do. Oh, okay. So it's it's people basically playing Batman even when they're not wearing the cape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not separating the two characters. Michael Keaton played a really good Batman. To me, not a great Bruce Wayne. George Nipples Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in fairness, is how, I, in terms of Batman, that's how I think of him, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's Bat Nipples. Played Bruce Wayne really well. Like, he's almost perfect for, for Bruce Wayne. You think pretty boys, suave, smooth. Batman, he totally biffed on the Batman side of things. Well, it was almost like George Clooney could just play himself, and that made a decent Bruce Wayne. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if they could just cast two there, like, if George Clooney played Bruce <laughs> Wayne and then Michael Keaton played Batman, that would be great. So, there goes into my controversial, I actually think Val Kilmer did the best playing both because he did kind of separate the two. He played a good Bruce Wayne. He played a pretty good Batman. He wasn't great at either, but he balanced the two probably the best. Christian Bale did a really good job as well. I think he portrayed the characters really well. I just don't necessarily agree with the tone in which he did it. Playing the party boy that's not really a party boy. Like he did that really, really well. It's just more the sound of his voice or the way that he walked. Little things like that. I wouldn't really put on that character. He gets a lot of crap for the voice when he's Batman. The really rough, I'm angry voice. That's actually from a run in the comic books where like when people would meet him, they would kind of like their thought bulbs would be like, why is he doing that with his voice? In the books, they mocked him for that voice. So where he was doing overly doing the gruffness to protect, again, the Bruce Wayne side of things because people couldn't connect the voices together if he's doing that. So that actually did come from books, but it does sound horrible. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think of um, Spider-Man Homecoming, that scene where he has with Donald Glover when he has like the threatening voice. He turns on like the mode in his suit and he has like the threatening voice. And Donald <laughs> Glover's like, I know that's not your real voice. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, Batman in the, in the comics never used uh, like a voice modulator or anything like that. He wasn't supposed to. Or There's to... different versions. And that's another thing I, I really think about a lot when going through this on who plays the best Batman. It's like, well, it depends on what version of Batman you're looking at. Because Batman has changed a lot over the years. And actually, Ben Affleck did a really good job, too, I think. Of doing both? Or of just... doing both, yeah. I think he, he did a really good job of it as well. He struggled a little bit with Batman because he didn't get to play Batman a lot in Batman v Superman. But when he got to Justice League, when he did get to play Batman, more, he was done. Now, you could tell by his, his portrayal that he was just kind of done with the character. So that's my only, that's why I don't put Ben Affleck at the top of the list, because it was kind of inconsistent. So that kind of brings him down a little bit. But if he would have kept going with the way that he had initially started portraying himself... I think with better writing, Ben Affleck would probably be the best Batman. Kind of pains me to say because I'm not a big fan of Ben Affleck. I was one of those people that was like, no, not Batfleck. <laughs> but after he started playing it, I was like, you know what? I can see it. And when I really started thinking about it, too, size-wise, that was another thing. I was like, oh, is he really going to be able to be Batman size-wise? Like, well, I remember seeing him in, in uh, Mallrats. He was huge in Mallrats. If he could bulk back up again, he could do it. 
And he did, obviously. So is it really, in, in the whole Bruce Wayne versus Batman thing, isn't it, is it more important to get Batman right? Does it really matter that much if you get Bruce Wayne wrong? And you're going to hate my answers to this. Depends on the writer. It depends on the writer. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously they should be separate. But if the movie or the story is more Bruce Wayne than Batman, then obviously Bruce Wayne's more important. If the story is more about Batman and less about Bruce Wayne, Batman's more important. Like, a lot of people uh, use the the Christian Bale trilogy as an example of this. Like, in Batman Begins, he plays Bruce Wayne for most of that movie. It's almost like that's, like, the Bruce Wayne movie. Yeah. And then The Dark Knight, he's Batman. Yeah. Uh, so, in that particular case, since for most of that movie, he is not Batman, it's pretty important for him to get Bruce Wayne, right? And did you think he, you said, I forgot what you said, sorry. Did you think Christian Bale did a good job as Bruce Wayne? He did a pretty good job. Like I said, just minor little things that I would tweak a little bit. More in the writing style, I think. I think the writing of it might have changed how he portrayed it a little bit more. But I think he did a pretty good job. It might be his struggling with the accent that did that for me. So maybe that's what it was. I'm not really sure. And I'm not saying he did a bad job by any means. I mean, he's, he's probably the mark for most people on how to do it right. Just little things to me, I think I would change just a little bit to get it just right. Do you agree with who's been cast to take over the role of Batman in live action movies? Obviously, when I first heard it, I'm like, Twilight Kid, really? (laughs) I'm holding off. I don't know. If he can bulk up well enough, he's got the height. And we're talking about Robert Pattinson? Right. As long as they can brush off the sparkliness, I think, you know, with enough makeup, cover that up. I think that'd be all right. If he can bulk up well enough, that should be good enough. Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen him in a movie. I did not watch the Twilight movies. I have I have seen him in a movie. I, I think I've... I want to say I saw one of the Twilight movies, but I've blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> um, he was in one of the Harry Potter movies, but I don't think you uh, watched much of the Harry Potter movies. Who did he play in that? Uh, he was in The Gobble of Fire. He's the kid who... Get, he's the character who dies in the tournament of the Wizards, in the Triwizard Tournament. Yep, I got nothing. <laughs> But I've also seen him in other things. But yeah, most people equate him with with Twilight, and I I had no interest in the Twilight movies, so I never saw it. I've heard he's a very good actor, so I I don't know what his voice is going to be like. Um, As long as he can separate the characters, I'm fine. Well, for me, I mean, I was born in 1971. Oh, careful, you almost knocked your cane over. (laughs) I'm not that old. It was not on the air anymore, but for me, I remember the reruns. So the first Batman that I actually ever heard was Adam West. Batman 66. It was campy. It was jokey. Now, Adam West took it seriously. And I think that's kind of partially why it plays the way that if he didn't take the part seriously, I don't think the show would be as good as it is. But it was very campy. And and it was very jokey of its time. But if you look at what was going on in the comic books at the time, it fit. So that's kind of where I go into, it depends on which version of Batman you're trying to portray, whether or not you did a good job. Yeah, Batman 66 was campy, but it was also like, to me, when I first saw it, it made the the whole pow, bam, things that they used to put on the screen. That was fantastic. I thought that was like, it's a comic book that's supposed to be there. So when people were making fun of that, I was like, I don't understand why. It's like, like, it's a comic book character, so... Yeah, that made sense to me. As I got older and I looked back at it, I was like, yeah, that looked kind of campy. 
and kind of silly. But as a kid, I thought that was actually cool. I thought it was perfect. Oh, that's a Catwoman <laughs> reference. Yeah, I think, again, of its time, it was a very good version of it. And I grew up with that, too. I loved it growing up. Even though I had other versions, I still loved that that show. And I still love that show. When they, they re-released the movie, I bought it on DVD. They re-released the series. I bought it because it's fun. And that's the whole point of that. That show was to be fun. Well, we've just had fun discussing the live-action portrayals of Batman. Let's transition the discussion to voice actors portraying Batman in animated series, movies, cartoons. You, you had, uh, I don't know how to say his name the right way, Olan Sol? Sol? He was, in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s, he was the Batman. The Batman Superman Hour, Super Friends, everything Super Friends related. Super Friends was really interesting because every, every season they came out with had kind of a different name and a different theme. So it pulls up as multiple entries, but it's really the same thing. And also the old Scooby-Doo shows, when Batman would show up, that was the Batman that voiced that. For, so for a lot of us that grew up with the very, very cartoony cartoon of Batman, that's the Batman voice. For most of us that are in the Batman world, Kevin Conroy is really the Batman. For him, it all started in 1992 with the animated series. And then there was, I believe, three movies, at least two, that were immediately associated with that series. Mask of the Phantasm, Sub-Zero with Batman and Mr. Freeze. I kind of want to include Batman Mystery of the Batwoman because it's, it's right along that theme as well. But that really kind of started off, for most of us, who Batman is in the animated. Kevin Conroy. He is playing the older Bruce Wayne in the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's coming up in the Arrowverse here in the fall yeah. of 2019. So other than that, I mean, he's done the most things, most movies. They were animated movies until the live action appearance he's going to have. Well, end series, but... End series. Yeah, so when so, you said earlier that for many people, he's Batman, is that because you spent more time watching the animated series? Or do you think that he actually did the best job playing Batman? He did the best job playing it because... You mean he did the best job playing Batman or Bruce Wayne and Batman? Either or both? So let me get into that. <laughs> no, so, I want to keep interrupting you. Well, I'm, I'm getting to answering your question here. <laughs> so Kevin Conroy is actually a very well-trained actor. Okay. And he didn't really know much about Batman when he came into it, when he got cast as this role. And he started reading about it and looking at it. And when he came in, he goes, you know what? I want to do... Batman and Bruce Wayne in different voices, because I feel like they should be separate characters. And he was the first one to approach it that way. And he did that perfectly. His Batman is very Batman, and his Bruce Wayne is very Bruce Wayne. So when I say he is the Batman, it's because he was the first one to, to separate the characters, and he did them both so well. Don't think it's even possible, unless you somehow get Kevin Conroy to do it, I don't know who's going to live up to that standard live action. My favorite animated Batman series was Batman Beyond, which I'd like to come back to and talk more about later. But in Batman Beyond, did Kevin Conroy voice Batman? Kevin Conroy still played Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond, and he not only re-upped his Bruce Wayne voice, but then he also put a little bit additional inflection on it to sound like an older Bruce Wayne. So just the voice talent of that guy is just beyond measure. And then when you combine him with 
with Mark Hamill as Joker in that series. I mean, just the voice acting in that. Everything just fell together for that animated series. And I, I think without that animated series, we wouldn't have Batman the way we have him today. And that's why, I all, as we talked about in, in other episodes, when I think of Batman and the Joker, that's what I go back to is thinking that animated series. Yeah. Uh, and then it's Kevin Conroy and, and Mark Hamill. And as I think you had explained before, uh, part of the reason that that sounded so good is they actually were in the sound booth together. Yeah. Yeah, that, that they actually acted them out because they're both stage actors. And so when you get them in the sound stage together, they're able to act it out in person to each other and they can play off each other better. And so that's why it came across so well in the animated series. Man, Bruce Tim, he is the animated Kevin Feige. He just orchestrated everything so well and continues to. As far as I understand, I believe pretty much any time that you see Kevin Conroy as Batman, that's a Bruce Tim version. Maybe I should back up. Bruce Tim's a producer. Okay. He's the one that made Batman the Animated Series happen. He developed the look. He, he's the one that got pieced everything together for that animated series. And Justice League. Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. But then you get Lego Batman. I love the Lego movies. Will Arnett did a pretty good job with that because he was playing off of the Christian Bale. I'm Batman. Was he Bruce Wayne at all in those movies? I, I, yeah. Okay, so there was a few times where he was actually Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he would swap back, but it was very much a, I'm Batman playing Bruce Wayne. Nobody say anything bad about Batman. I'm Bruce Wayne. So is that what he based it on? He was he's doing the Christian Bale? Yeah. Because yeah. at the time that those movies were out, that, that was who the Batman was. I mean, the later actual Lego Batman movie actually was around the time that Ben Affleck had become Batman. But Yeah, yeah. The Lego movie, the first time it was out, was out in 2014. And Christian Bale's, the last one, Dark Knight Rises, was 2012. But so, it was still before Affleck uh, debuted in 2016. So yeah. at that time... The first time we saw him in a Lego movie as Batman. I am Batman! To be fair, that is a lot of fun to do. So we've talked a little bit about uh, the main actors who have played Batman in the live-action movies. And we've talked a little bit about, we've mentioned the Lego movies and Kevin Conroy. Is there anyone else who has played either live-action or voice actor that has portrayed Batman that you think we should at least acknowledge or talk about? At least is this someone that you think did a really good job other than who we've already mentioned. There, there's been a, so many people that have played Batman, and they've played it really well. Really to kind of point out some of my favorite, or a couple of my favorite ones uh, voice-wise, Bruce Greenwood did Batman Under the Red Hood, which might possibly be the best animated Batman movie, and he did a very good job in that. He also did Batman Gotham by Gaslight, and he was uh, Batman in the Young Justice series. He was very, very good in that. And then the newer movies that have been coming out, and they've been kind of bouncing back and forth. Some of them are Jason O'Mara, who does a great job as well. And then some of them are still Kevin Conroy. I mean, he's still playing Batman, <laughs> which is fantastic. He, I mean, he is the goddamn Batman. But Jason O'Mara's he's catching up. He plays the part very well, and uh, he's, he's starting to catch up on the movies, animated movies. Well, in a sense, is the challenge of any of the voice actors easier in a sense because they just have to worry about the voices. They don't have to worry about the live action stuff, the physicality of actually right. playing the Batman versus looking like Bruce Wayne. I mean, when you're a voice actor, your voice is all you have that you're doing. Right. So maybe that might have motivated Kevin to focus on creating distinct voices for 
Bruce Wayne and Batman. Because like you had said earlier, one of the first things that gave you pause about Ben Affleck was you were concerned about he didn't have the physicality to play Batman. I was also had the same concern when I heard that Michael Keaton yeah. was originally cast. Because I, I remember growing up, I remember Michael Keaton as, as a comedic actor. So one of the things yeah. that gave me pause was he's more comedic. But the other thing was he's not physical. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. With Christian Bale, it was more of an issue. He didn't really have the size for it. Ben Affleck, I knew he could have the size for it. My, my hesitation on Ben Affleck is he's more dramatic. And so I, I was just trying to, I was like, are we going to have Batman cry on command? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. So that was my hesitation on ben, ben Affleck. But he did a good job, I think. He, he could have done better with better writing. I really think that's what held him back on that. But like, also nowadays, I mean, how much do you really need to be physical? I mean, is it all just the bat nipple suits? I mean, it's the form, the suits that they wear and a lot of these things. How, how jacked are these guys yeah. really versus the costume? That but you still have to play Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne has to look like he fits Batman. Oh, yeah. He can't be some yeah. skinny dude and then turn around and be Batman and all super jacked. Yeah, and if you look at, like, the books and the series, stuff like that, Batman is almost as big as Superman. So you got to think, you're talking about a guy who is, like, the peak of physical performance. He's been training his entire life, plus he's got the genes of a god, more or less, maybe a demigod, top peak physical performance possible. So how do you portray that when you're a scrawny person? I can buy that. Also because I think one of the things that, and it it comes up a lot, I think, in in themes, especially in the Justice League, he's one of the few, he's not really a superhuman. He's Mm -hmm. a regular guy. He's been trained in the martial arts and he's become physically fit, but he's not an alien or a Greek god or an actual someone who got given superpowers underneath it all he's just a normal guy right so he is a different kind of hero quote unquote normal yeah yes (laughs) from a physicality standpoint and stuff like that like when superman has his superman's strong because he's kryptonian and the yellow sun gives him his superpowers and and the other like the green lantern gets his power from the ring and all that stuff and wonder woman is literally a greek goddess but batman is just a man yeah who puts on a suit and kicks people's ass. Basically, what makes Batman live in the Justice League world is his tactician abilities and his dedication. So he knows so much. He's so good at breaking down and knowing what needs to happen. So he, he's more or less the field commander going, you go do this, you go do that. And he just does what he has to do to make it work. And he's the guy that will do what he has to do to make it work. That makes sense. I guess the point that I was going in, in some of like the superheroes that got portrayed, it's almost okay if people aren't the actor who plays them aren't, isn't really physically strong because they're playing a superhuman whose strength is not necessarily from oh, yeah, the size yeah, yeah. of their muscles and right, stuff right, like right. that. Whereas yeah, with yeah. Batman, you do actually need an actor in a live action thing who is physically jacked because how the character has his strength. Yes and no. But you also, if you look at the portrayals, I mean, like Superman. Yeah, he doesn't have to be super jacked because he gets it from the sun, but he is super jacked. Right. So the actor still has to be super jacked. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes and no. Flash, scrawny guy. Pretty muscular, but more scrawny. But yeah, Batman has to be, and he also has to be able to, as Batman, portray putting fear in everybody. So like that's, that's one thing, like if you look at you know Justice League and everything, other than Superman... 
everybody is just scared shitless of Batman, even though they know he's they know who he is. I remember there's a panel and I love it where it's the Justice League and they're all in the room and Batman, I don't remember what he initially says to Flash, but he kind of puts his hand on Flash's shoulder. He's like, I need something from you. And Flash goes, you're touching me. Batman's touching me. Oh my God, I'm going to die, aren't I? (laughs) And Batman goes, not if you do exactly as I say. And I just, I just love that, that whole, you know, Flash could, just like everybody's like, who would win between Batman and Superman? Well, obviously Superman would win that if they were trying to kill each other. But with enough planning, the reason Batman wins that is because he plans ahead well enough, he knows what he needs to do, and he knows that Superman will do everything he can to not hurt Batman. That's how Batman wins. He knows that and he plays off of that. So it's kind of the same thing with Flash. Flash could literally, in a second, destroy Batman. But he's still scared of him because he knows if Batman wanted to hurt me, he could hurt me. What is the basis of that? Bear with me because I don't know the character as well as you do. Batman never crosses the line of killing someone, correct? Correct. So he never actually uses, he uses physical violence a lot. Oh, yes. (laughs) A lot. But he never actually goes to the point of actually... He's not Moon Knight. He doesn't kill people. Right. So why? I like how you worked that in there because I just introduced <laughs> you to Moon Knight. Yes, Mike gave me some homework. <laughs> I have some. I have to read some Moon Knight comics before we talk about Moon Knight. But why? If he doesn't kill people, why are people so intimidated by Batman? He'll cripple you because of his martial arts prowess. Oh, just his tacticians. Oh, his I tacticians mean, or all it's of just those. a combination. Like he has spent his entire life honing everything he possibly can to perfection. So, I mean, that's the fear. Like, everybody knows if he wants to hurt you, you will be hurt. And so that, that's kind of that fear in there. That, at least that's the way I've always, I've always felt it. Well, maybe it goes back, like you said, the preparation thing that, of how Batman was able to go toe-to-toe with Superman was more of the tactician and the planning and stuff like that. So, again, going back to my point of that, because he's not a superhuman he has to put a lot more effort into yeah. com- coming up with a strategy and tactics to employ. And he's done that so well that that in and of itself is intimidating to people. Yes. Yeah, that, that's pretty much exactly it. it. And it works and it shows. And there's there's a lot of times, too, where like they'll be fighting, you know, Justice League will be out fighting somewhere and Batman will be just about to get hit with something. And somebody will save him and be like, oh, you owe me one. He's like, if we're keeping count, you owe me three. Something like that. Because... Not only can he hurt you if he wants to, but he's such a good tactician that he saves them so often by seeing things that they don't see and by reacting so quickly because he doesn't have to stop and think about it because he sees and he pieces everything together so quickly and so well. I think that's really, for most of us, that's what makes Batman such an interesting character is not only can he hang with the Justice League being just a normal person with no actual powers, but he also can be a leader of the Justice League and one of the most feared and most powerful members of the Justice League, just simply with his mind. Social Shoutout! Are you looking for some great indie podcasts to listen to? Check out the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com, where you can find a list of great indie podcasts, get links to their official websites, and even listen to some of their episodes without needing to create an account or log in. Here's an example of one of the great indie podcasts you can find on Pod Nation. 
Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So once again, for some great indie podcasts, check out the Pod Nation list on podjacer.com. One of the things that I always liked about the animated series mm-hmm. was one of my favorite characters was Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And we've actually only seen Batgirl once, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, in a live action movie, we've only seen one Batgirl. And she was clueless. And she was clueless. <laughs> and it wasn't even Barbara Gordon. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I was, very, I was very confused by, I didn't think the casting was bad, but I, I, when I went to see that movie... When she wasn't Barbara Gordon, I was immediately confused. No, there's been different Batgirls. Have is, there been different? Okay, yeah, so she's been. not always Barbara Gordon? Okay. Not necessarily, but that's the main one, and that's definitely the one that people are going to think about there. Two of the things I've actually been disappointed with, we've only had one Batgirl, and also, correct me if I'm wrong, we've only had one Robin? Live action? Live action. Burt Ward. Pardon me, Burt, I should not have forgotten you. Other than... The Batman 66 TV series. In a live-action movie, we've, oh, only, yeah, we've yeah. only had one Chris nope, O'Donnell, we, right? No, yeah, no, we've never had a Robin. Oh, you, oh, you, you don't nope. believe... But well, wait a minute, didn't he... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, is that because he's with the Nipples movie? Yeah, yeah, we just don't want to... That's just the portrayal. Like Again, I'm sure he did well with what was given to him, written-wise, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's, that's not Robin. At least his backstory was the character of Robin yeah, in yeah. that movie was and, accurate. Well, actually, he was might what? it wasn't a comic book. Yeah, he might have been pretty good at Nightwing. Oh, you think he was just too old? Yeah, okay. and just the way he portrayed the character was more Nightwing-ish, less Robin. You know, Robin was a child, and when he got old enough to start not being a child, he became Nightwing. Now, I mean, there's a lot more to that. I mean, obviously. But to me, he's more of a, he was more of a Nightwing and less of a Robin. I don't think we can get a good, storyline-wise, I don't think we can get a good Batgirl until we've had a Robin. You kind of have to have a Robin first. Part of that also is because Batgirl kind of comes in when Robin's getting older and, beco- and starting to become Nightwing, and then they have a thing. Right, there's a relationship between yeah. Batman and yeah. Batgirl. Right, right, exactly. And that was one, I mean, I mean, for all of the things that was wrong with Batman and Robin... We, it was the only movie, live-action movie that gave us a Batgirl, and we had all three. We had a Batman, a Robin, and a Batgirl. Yeah. It wasn't a good Robin or a good Batgirl. Or a good movie. Or a good movie, but, <laughs> I mean, some people liked it, but, I mean, from what I always defended as, at least it was, the, so far, the only movie that we got a Batgirl. When we look at Batman in the Justice League, or Batman, I guess the Justice League is the easiest example of him working with other heroes. Mm-hmm. Batman always seemed to be a character that was very much, and again, I don't know the character as well as you do, more of a loner. Oh, yeah. And that's why the whole, one of the things I liked about, like, the Robin and Batgirl and all of the different Robins was the whole idea that how difficult it was for Batman, and even Batman Beyond, which I liked as well as an animated series, how difficult it was for Batman to delegate 
or work with yeah. other people. So here's here's how I've always read that, and I I way overthink these things. So, no. <laughs> to me, the reason for that is because Batman, again, going back to he knows exactly what needs to be done and how it needs to be done, and he's been training his whole life to make sure it can get done perfectly, where these other people are just half a step behind him. So he wants to delegate the stuff, and he thinks of them as his lieutenants. Like, people are like, oh, they're partners. Like, oh, they're there to do his bidding. So he has extra hands because he can't quite do it all. But if he can do it himself, he's going to do it himself because that's the only way it's going to get done to his standard. And that's actually in the books and things when it's done well. That's the relationship that gets portrayed a bit because he gets frustrated that they're not living up to what he wants. And that creates friction. And that's actually when Nightwing first becomes Nightwing in that that storyline that's actually what it was, was. He wasn't there exactly the time that Batman needed him because he was off working with the Teen Titans and doing something else. He wasn't putting 100% into being Robin with him. And that wasn't enough. Anything less than 100% wasn't good enough. So he fired him. And he's like, if you're not going to be, be Robin 100% of the time, like I'm Batman 100% of the time, I don't need you. You're going to hold me back. You're fired. And that, that's just an interesting dynamic. And, and even like you, like you said, in the Justice League, even as he's planning that stuff out, there's a lot of times where he's like, oh, yeah, I could have somebody else do this, but they're not going to do it to my standard. So I'm just going to do it myself. Which and makes it, him odd for uh, why he would want to be in the Justice League, how he could be in a leadership role in the Justice League when he doesn't really seem to play well with others. Yeah, but he's also kind of the moral compass a lot of times. He's the one that's put more thought. He, he puts emotion to the side and he thinks logically. So there's times when the Justice League, they're like, oh, we should do that. And he's like, that is the last thing you should do. Again, there's another uh, animated movie where, long story short, there's a solar flare that's going to kill half the population of the Earth, more or less. And I think it was Green Lantern goes, well, maybe I can push the Earth out of the way a little bit. And Batman just goes, if I had six months, I couldn't list all of the reasons why that wouldn't work. He's that guy of, you know, they may make rash decisions and he stops them from making those rash decisions because that's the person he is. He's overthinking it. He's analyzing everything, every little detail of everything he's analyzing all the time. And they need that. They need that to make sure they're staying in the right direction and they're going the right way. Does that answer your question? I think so. So, I mean, is Batman a genius? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times he's referred to as the great detective. Yeah. That's the thing that seems to get emphasized in the animated series and movies, but I haven't really seen that angle emphasized very much in live action. You did a little bit in the in the Nolan verse. Okay. Very little bit. In uh, The Dark Knight, remember, he starts, you know, analyzing the bullet fragments, trying to piece it together to figure out who Joker is and stuff like that. He does a little bit in that, but not much. You're right. And that's that's another thing that's frustrating a lot of us that are big fans of Batman they're not really getting into the detective work. That's something we would like to see more of, but it doesn't, in an action movie, it doesn't play up very well. Doing detective work is boring. So then there's a lot of flat spots. And that goes into, like, when you, when you look at the Nipples movie and, and <laughs> Batman Forever, the issues that were there was more studio influence of going, hey, we need to liven this up for the kids. Let's, let's put some more bright colors in there. Let's put some more dumb jokes in there 
so that the kids like it better. And in doing so, they kind of ruin the movie. Or those actually probably could have been really good movies the way they were written initially. If you take out all of the vibrant colors and, and all that stuff, that kind of ruined it for most of us. They could have been good movies. That's kind of going back to like one of the points that I was trying to get to in a roundabout way. And again, it comes back, I guess, to the financial approach to movies. The Nolan trilogy, you know, Christian Bale signed on to do three movies. And I knew going into it that they were going to do three movies, so they had to come up with construct a story. But in and of itself, that becomes a problem because, again, I, I hate to keep using Marvel as, as a comparison because it's not fair, but one of your favorite Marvel characters, Wolverine, mm-hmm. he's been portrayed by the same actor in how many movies now? Ten? My point is the fact that a lot of different Wolverine stories have been told, not that all of the possible Wolverine stories have been told. But one of the problems I have, again, I'm not as deep into Batman as you are, but I know a lot of Batman stories that I have never seen in live action. And part of the problem is if you have a a live action Batman movie that's focused around one actor that may be around for at most three movies, you really can't tell a nice long character arc. Like I would love to see Batman and Robin. And then in a movie, Robin gets older and he goes away or gets fired by Batman. Then Tim Drake's character comes in. Or Batgirl shows up. I mean, the fact that the, the rest of the, for lack of a better term, Bat family can be there and we can see the other characters and the other stories. But again, when they have to keep like rebooting the character by replacing him with a new actor, if we're going to see more live action movies, I want to see new stories. I don't want to see another Batman versus another villain, especially when it, we keep redoing even the villains. I want to see more of the Batman stories. And that's why I was kind of going earlier. It's like, it seems like right now, if I want that, I have to go to the animated stuff. I have to go yeah. to the, the animated series and the animated movies because that's the only place I'm going to find the rest of the Robins or Batgirl or Nightwing yeah. I don't, or Batman Beyond. I don't get them in the, in the live action movies. And I think those are awesome stories. Yeah. So first off, Bat Family is exactly what it's referred to as. That, that is, they are the Bat Family. Credit, you came up with something that already exists. I didn't invent it? Oh, darn! I thought I was going to get rich! Um, oh, well. I, I think, A, we need to, as audience, need to become okay with changing actors and still maintaining the same storyline. We need to become okay with that. We need to accept that. B, I think they... They keep trying to set it up and it just keeps failing. But you can't have Nightwing and Batman Beyond and stuff like that until you develop that character in a Batman story first in order to do it justice. And that was my point, the fact that every time we get a new movie, not every movie, but we keep keep resetting and and restarting. Because at this point, I mean, I'm not saying that they had to do it this way, but at this point, there have been seven standalone live-action Batman movies. Again, Ben Affleck as Batman has not been in a standalone movie. He's been in three movies where he's played Batman, so not counting Affleck. There have been seven standalone Batman movies. I'm just wondering, like, imagine if... Again, yes, we have to get used to the actor changing. I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan. I'm all for the lead character being played by a different actor. But imagine if those seven live-action Batman movies had told the story from the beginning through. Like, we got 
the Batman origin story in the first one. And mm-hmm. then we got like Robin shows up in the second one. And then maybe by the time we got to like the fifth one, Robin's older and he's gone off and become Nightwing. And somewhere in the middle there, we got Batgirl. And again, and then maybe now we have seven movies in, maybe now we could do Batman Beyond because we can have an older actor play old Bruce. And then yeah. if we had done that all the way through, again, obviously it would have taken a tremendous amount of planning. But then I would be looking forward to the next Batman movie because it would be the continuation of a story or a new story instead of keeping to... I have no idea what the plan is for the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I have no idea if they're rebooting another origin arc or if it's just going to be another story. See, here's the thing. At this point, people know the Batman origin. You don't need to redo it again. Because this this episode is Batman versus Marvel, I'll just go back to (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. So just like they just, Spider-Man just jumped into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was during his or- origin. Like he hadn't been around for long, obviously, but they just jumped into it. They didn't have to just explain his backstory. They can do that with Batman. I really think with Robert Pattinson, Batman, they can jump right into the story, have a teenage, like 13, 14 year old Robin show up. So then the next movie is him firing Robin and Robin becoming Nightwing. And that's, you know, then he can bring in Jason Todd. They can do all that in two or three movies. They can set up an entire Bat world of the Bat family. And then these characters can have their own standalone stuff. Very easily done in a couple movies without even having to cram a lot in. By not having to spend so much time on backstory of the two characters we already know of Batman and the Dick Grayson Robin. And that allows you to spend the other movies, like when you introduce Jason Todd, you can give that origin story of Jason Todd... Because that would be a very new, interesting story for the main audience. Okay. Mainstream for, audience. For those who don't know, who's Jason Todd? <laughs> <laughs> you said that as if everyone understood it. I will admit it. I don't know who Jason Todd is. So Jason Todd is the second Robin. Is the second Robin. Yes. I thought Tim Drake was the second Robin. Nope. Tim Drake was the third Robin. Tim Drake was the third Robin. Yes. So Jason Todd was basically he was a, a street kid that right after he fired Robin... He caught Jason Todd trying to steal the wheels off of the Batmobile, brought him back, and decided to train him, and he became the next Robin. Spoiler alert! He ends up actually getting killed by Joker. And so that very, very, in in the storyline, changed Batman forever. Because from then on, a lot of his main choices came down to, am I going to fail somebody again like I did Jason Todd? So that made him very hesitant to bring all of the other Robins under, under his wing. <laughs> but yeah, it changed things. It was a very, like I said, it's a very interesting storyline. And they could easily, and that could be just one movie where they kind of flash forward from at the end of the first movie is him firing Robin. The next movie is him bringing in Jason Todd. And that movie is all about the training, the working with Jason Todd, and then him getting killed at the end. Well, I guess this comes back to maybe another thing that I I often ponder then about these things. Are superhero stories better suited for a television series? Yes. Because the things that you just described, it's like, yeah, it'd be very difficult. You can't cram into a two or even three hour movie all of the stuff that you just talked about in a 13 to 22 episode season and multiple seasons. You can do a lot of the things that you're talking about. And is that just a better way? You already said yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so is that really maybe where live action 
superheroes should be. Yes, because if you look at the DC movies in general, the biggest problem, well, they've had a lot of problems. To me, the biggest problem is they're cramming so much into one movie that it becomes a jumbled mess and they're not able to really explore anything. If Justice League had been an eight-episode series, it would have been a lot better. If Batman versus Superman had been a five- to eight-episode series, it would have been better. But really, the story, the idea, the main backbone of those stories were good. It's just a matter of actually getting it done, portraying it in a way that doesn't feel like a jumbled mess. And doing it in a series would be best. The DC television shows that are on the CW... I don't want to be negative, but by and large, I've been disappointed with them. Some shows more so than others. I've just stopped watching Arrow. But even shows like Supergirl and The Flash, yeah, you get like a 20-plus episode season, but the stories haven't really been all that great. Uh, I think the issue there is because they're just not investing as much into it. Yeah. And I think if they, they invested what they put into movies, into these TV series. And I think also the issue is they're trying to rush it. The issue with TV series is they have to keep getting new episodes out because people want to binge them and and watch them so quickly. Mm -hmm. They need to take the time with them. And like what Game of Thrones tried to do, where they gave an extra year to make sure that last season... Man. That's a horrible example. Man, I, I know. I'm, I'm struggling trying to say that they should do what they did with the last season of Game in, of Thrones. In, the, in an alternate universe where taking that extra year resulted in a season eight of Game of Thrones that was awesome, then that would be a good argument. Yeah. But it was not. Yeah. But, but the yeah. issue with that was a writing issue. Well, that's why... Development-wise, like, it, mm-hmm. they did a good job with it development-wise. And I think if you get the right writers, you get the right actors and you take the time to do it right, the episodes would be great. Because then you could do longer storylines. I think the issue also they run into is they're trying to take what should be four episodes and draw it out into 12 episodes. Well, that's also more, even worse with the network television shows that have 20 plus episodes. Because they are, this. I'm sorry, but this is a lot of crap episodes that are shoved in there. But streaming services, for the most part, when they do shows, they're... 10 to 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes those stories are a little bit bloated, but nowhere near as bloated as the 20 plus episode format on network tel- television, where yeah. I wish some of those shows had half the episodes and took more time to write and tell better stories. Yeah, I think, again, we need to separate the environment that to be a series that has to be X number of, of shows. We need to accept, you know, maybe there is a series that's only four episodes. Right, and that and that's the I think maybe that comes back. I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, but somewhat. But I guess it, again, it starts with the whole idea that you know, a two-hour, two and a half-hour movie is not enough time to tell some of these stories. Yeah. Uh, but and it seems like the only other alternative, other than making like a, a part group, one, part two. Yeah, like they did with the Nolan trilogy, where they did. Thankfully, you know, trying to like if they tried to cram like Dark Knight and Batman Begins into one movie, that would have been horrible. Oh yeah. So, but so they had a plan there that there was a trilogy, so three movies. But even that premise, it depends upon what the story is. But yeah, the alternative being a television series. But yeah, you're right. It, it's not how many episodes would it be? Rather than one overarching theme, maybe it, it is a series that's 13 episodes, but then there's three arcs in it. First arc for Batman. Maybe the first arc is he's tracking down Harvey Dent. 
then something else happens and he has to go after the Riddler. Maybe that's how you bring in and have different series that interact with each other because then maybe you've got a Nightwing series where like maybe he'll call in Nightwing to go start investigating Riddler while he's finishing up with Two-Face and they can interact back and forth that way and they can have them all connected by having Oracle involved and she's helping with all this stuff. There, there's ways to do it. Maybe they culminate at the end by having something happens at Arkham and everybody breaks out and then that's the reset to going to the next series, you know, whatever it is. They, they need to think outside the box. They don't need to keep doing things the way that we've been doing it for 30 years. Think outside the box. Create a new way. Which is what, which also comes back around to one of the other things I've often said is like, I don't understand why we just can't do both. Like have a television series that is basically, for lack of a better term, the prequel to the movie. So then if you wanted to do reboot a character like Batman and do the origin story and establish some of the supporting characters, mm-hmm. you do that in a 10 to 13 episode series. And then the movie just picks up from where the series left off. So instead of saying do it with a movie or do it with a series, same cast, same story, it starts as a television series. And then when you have the big story that you want to tell, you put that in the theater as a movie. So here, here's the thing, kind of going along with what you were saying there. The Arrowverse. Every season, they do a big crossover event. What if those crossover events were the movies? Not all of them have been good enough, but yes, that is But again, we're saying theoretically where they're actually investing into making the good series, the crossover events theoretically could be the movies where everybody gets together for the movies. That's an interesting idea. Are you listening? No. (laughs) Are you listening? (laughs) Insert cricket sound effect. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I know that there's a whole... Hollywood paradigm problem with and also even within actors not wanting to do TV shows is also different profit schemes. A movie theoretically can make you a lot more money, but it's also a much bigger financial investment in risk. A lot of television shows struggle to even turn a profit. So I know it's a much more complicated problem, but it just it still surprises me that no one's at least tried to do that. You gotta go out on a limb to get the fruit. And I think somebody just needs to take that chance to go out on the limb. I keep coming back to the fact that I want to see more of the Bat family. Where I'm going with that is I want to get away from Batman. I really like Batman Beyond because I like the concept of it. It was Batman, but it wasn't Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. was too old to be Batman anymore. And he had to you know, hang up the, the cape and had to bring in a, a new kid to take on the mantle of Batman, who was very different than Bruce Wayne and in mm-hmm. his approach to being Batman. And I, that's what I would rather see is it's Batman, but it's not Bruce Wayne as Batman. So it allows for the character yeah. to do different things and to bring, because I think that's the other thing that keeps holding the, the character back. Like you said at the, at the beginning of this discussion, you have a certain thing in mind of, of the way Batman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing we, we know who Batman is for mainstream audiences the nerds know who Batman's supposed to be from the comics and stuff like that. Not that we don't know, the nerds don't know who Terry McGinnis is, but again, and sometimes I think it would be easier to play Terry McGinnis than it would be to play Bruce. Terry McGinnis as Batman yeah. versus playing Because people Bruce. don't know him as well. They don't know him yeah. as well. And then he, because one of the things I liked about him is he was a different kind of Batman. He talked more. He, was, he wasn't as dark and brooding. He was like Spider-Bat. 
I, w- I would try not to make that analogy, but basically that might be why I like him. He's kind of like Spider-Bat. He, he Nightwing, Nightwing's very similar to that as well. So, I mean, he, he blends some of the things that I prefer in comic characters to, a, to the Batman universe in a way that makes the character a bit more yeah. uh, approachable to me. I like Michael C. Hall from Dexter. I like okay. the idea of him playing Batman, but doing like you were saying, set up the Bat family where he's not necessarily in all of the episodes or he's not necessarily the main focal point, but he's in it and he's the one setting it up and he's the one that they go to for questions or they need advice or they need direction. They go to him. I like the idea of setting up an Oracle, uh, maybe not Batgirl, but maybe a Batwoman that kind of comes and goes here and there, but I want it more centered around Nightwing and the Robins. I want Nightwing, I want Red Robin, and I want Damian Wayne Robin. The issue is you have to set that up somehow. So I almost think you have to have a movie that introduces most of that, and then you explore it in a series. So maybe that's the way we do it. We It's a Batman movie that doesn't have Batman in it. Yeah, maybe. It's a Nightwing Or maybe Robin. the series sets it up, and then you got the movie spinoffs. For a lack of a better term, it, it's in the Batverse, but it's not Batman. Damian yeah. Wayne. Basically, he is uh, Talia al Ghul and, and Bruce Wayne's son. And oh, wow. He, he is raised in the League of Assassins oh, wow. by Ra's al Ghul to be an assassin. But then Ra's al Ghul dies, and Talia al Ghul, I don't remember if she dies or goes missing. Another animated movie, Son of Batman, dives into that. So he has to take this League of Assassins trained boy who's like 8 years old or 10 years old and then change that do not kill change him from assassinating to take all of this you know, stop killing, hone in a little bit more, focus a little bit more. So he becomes the the Robin of, I am dedicated, I am trained, I am the Robin that Batman always wanted, and I can become the next Batman. And he kind of clashes with the other Robins that are a little more lighthearted and a little bit more playful. But he's young enough that everybody treats him like a kid because he is a kid and he makes some kid mistakes but he doesn't see himself as a kid he sees himself as an adult so it's a very interesting dynamic again this to me sounds like so much more interesting than than what they're doing with a lot of stuff again these are these are i did this is what i would rather see in the next live action batman movie again i'm not trying to dump on robert pattinson it's not because he was cast Whoever was cast to replace Ben Affleck in the next Batman, I would have been saying the same thing of, why do we need another Batman? Why why can't we tell, even if we wanted to stay inside the Batverse, tell another Batman story that doesn't involve Batman? You do, you've just described a couple. I would love to see those as live action movies. And I don't really think there would be a big, oh, well, there's a bunch of backstory that people might not know. It's like, it's somewhat related to Batman. You'll get over it. As long as it's well cast and well written and it's a good movie, people would go to see it, and they would enjoy it. I think you still need a Batman in it, though. And we don't know. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have an older Bruce Wayne-type mentor-type thing, or maybe you could do have an actual Batman, but he's not not the central character. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I'm interesting. We don't know, maybe Robert Pattinson's doing that. I, I could be wrong, but doesn't Batman have a cameo in Titans? You see his shadow... But so you don't really see him. So he's in the universe of yes, that TV he's in the, show. Yes, he's mentioned quite a few times. But you don't see him. See that? Fuck Batman. Yes, I, I remember. No, I remember that line from from the <laughs> bleep, trailer. Yeah, bleep. Batman. But um, that again, that that works for me too. So yeah, Batman is there. It's kind of like I mean, I don't 
I'm, I'm not saying it's a great comparison, but the way that Supergirl solved the uh, Supergirl solved the Superman problem. Yeah, Superman he, is in the universe. And he was had, there, and he came and went. Yes, and yeah. they, and 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 they actually had to tackle it more head on because it always had that problem of if if things really got bad, Superman was going to have to show up. Yeah, and they finally did find a nice way to to write him. Not off the show, but deal with the fact that he doesn't have to keep showing up every time. I haven't seen that part. Spoiler. Well, I, again, I'm not sure. It's not a spoiler thing, but I mean, it was always a thing that I thought was going to be a huge problem for Supergirl, the TV show, but they managed to solve it. So why can't they just do the same thing with, with a Batman yeah. movie? And, and like you said, who knows? We know nothing about the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. And I don't want to know until it comes out. So how about we, we take it back? If you're listening to this episode, you know who Batman is and you like Batman. Right. Or maybe you at least know who Batman is and you've seen some of the movies and you're maybe on the fence about the character or something. So it's unlikely that anyone who's listening is like, who's Batman? What's this Batman you're talking about? But if you were talking about to someone who maybe is sick of the character or wanted to give the character a chance again, what would you recommend to them? Let's, let's start live action wise. What would you recommend? And maybe it's not a single movie. Maybe it has to be something. I mean, the Nolan trilogy might be the safe answer, but what should they go watch if they were going to go watch one movie after listening to this podcast to get back into Batman? Oh, man, that is tough. I think the best standalone live-action Batman movie has to be The Dark Knight. I think it is the most well-rounded movie. It's got the most action and the most accurate portrayals to the characters. Heath Ledger's Joker was fantastic. Yes. That's a whole other episode to talk about the Joker, because that's that's another where I was going to go is, you know, I mean, the first Batman movie. Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker and that as well was fantastic. Yes. So, I mean, either one of those two, I would say. All of them tend to have their flaws, some more flaws than good, and all of them have their goods. I mean, honestly, as much as I make fun of bat nipples, <laughs> just want to tweak those nipples a little bit. Um... It really is. If you if you can look over some of that stuff, it's not a bad movie. Realistically, it there are there is enough there to enjoy it. As much as people hate Batman vs Superman, Justice League, I actually like those movies. There is enough there to enjoy it if you can just look past the mustache and see the face. <laughs> well, at least for those, you also have other characters that if if Batman's not doing it for you, you have. You know, you yeah. have Superman and Wonder Woman and Donna Justice. I recently rewatched The Dark Knight, and, and I felt no lack of continuity from not having watched Batman Begins first. Mm-hmm. But again, in familiarity with the character, that's probably most people would pick it out best. I mean, standalone Batman movie. Yeah, that, that'd be my live action. Dark Knight and Batman. Animated is a whole different, a different thing. What would I suggest for animated? And I actually have made a lot of recommendations for the animated movies. Because these might be ones that even people who... Because there are a a fair number of of people, like we said, this is kind of why there are so many Batman movies. It's a known character and mainstream audiences who are not not comic book and superhero nerds will go see a Batman movie. Yeah. They probably won't go see... Probably wouldn't go look for an animated movie, but if there was something that you wanted them to go take a look at as an example of something that is a really done animated movie or animated series for Batman, what would you recommend? Batman Under the Red Hood. Fantastic movie. I very highly recommend that. And part of that, that movie kind of dives a little bit into why Batman won't cross that line. There's actually, towards the end of it, 
fantastic scene where he goes on to a rant on why he won't cross that line to kill somebody, why he hasn't killed the Joker, and why he will never kill the Joker. It's fantastic, and it dives into that a lot. It's very... These animated movies, a lot of them, they're so much more emotional than you would expect them to be. Maybe it's a different question. Is the Joker the best Batman villain? You know what? That is a fantastic question. Because I was yes. just, I was going off of the assumption that he is who I consider to be the best. But again, I don't know as many of Batman villains as you do. Yeah. Uh, again, like we mentioned before, Jack Nicholson in Batman and Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight were great movies because they portrayed the Joker, who I always think of as the number one Batman villain, and then Mark Hamill playing him in the animated series. Yeah. So is there, so before I jump off that cliff, is there someone better than the Joker as a Batman villain? I don't know if better is a good word. So the main rogues gallery of Batman are based on different parts of his personality. So like Two-Face is his duality between Bruce Wayne and, and Batman. The Penguin is his richness. Oh, he's that, that, okay. that rich guy. The Riddler is his, his mind, his ability to think. The Joker is his insanity. Okay. That, that's something that's very well explored as well as Batman is insane. Just a completely different insanity than Joker's insanity. So he's a genius, but he's insane. His need for vengeance has driven him insane. He is Batman because he's insane. Because only an insane person would do that. That's the idea behind that. And then Joker, though, the reason Joker stands out so much is because he is the polar opposite of Batman. So where everything for Batman is order and logic, everything Joker is chaos. That's why Joker becomes such an interesting character and becomes so polarizing and interesting is because of just how polar opposite he is of Batman. How does somebody that only understands logic and order figure somebody out that has no logic or order? I guess I'm struggling with the... If Batman's insane and he's driven by the desire for vengeance, why doesn't he kill? Watch Under the Red Hood. Under the Red Hood answers this question? They, Under the Red Hood answers that question. Should I spoil it? Sure. All right, spoilers. Basically, he goes on a rant and says, because it's too easy. Too easy to cross that line. And once he crosses that line, he knows he'll never go back. Once he crosses that line and kills Joker, that opens up the door to killing Two-Face, to killing Penguin. To killing everybody, and then where's the line? Where does the line become? Does he kill every mugger? Does he kill every rapist? Where's the line? So to him, once he crosses that line, he becomes one of them. He's no better than them, and he'll never be able to come back from that. And he's afraid that he will just become just a mass murderer. He, he is no longer for justice. He becomes full-on vengeance. So he will not cross that line so where does that moral compass come from that, that holds him back from that? Is that him being raised by Alfred? Because he lost his parents, the character lost his parents as a young boy, and he's fueled by the vengeance of the murder of his parents. Well, the, so what, what, is, what is giving him that moral center to say he won't cross that line and murder people? So there, there's, there's a, uh, an interesting thing. He's not driven by vengeance for the murder of his parents. He's driven by, I don't want what happened to me to ever happen to somebody else again. So he's driven to prevent anybody else from losing their parents. He's not trying to avenge the death of his parents. Right. He's trying to save people from having to go through that. 
So that that's a very interesting thing and, and something that I think they should dive into that more in the, the movies and stuff. In the books, Batman is such an interesting character because they go in depth on that. And in the movies, it's just simply, I need to stop this guy. And that's it. They don't really explain why does he need to stop that guy. And I think that's, again, if you go to a series where they have a little bit more time to develop the characters, that's what you can get out of it. And that's what these movies do, is each one of these movies takes a little bit more to it. So, Justice League Doom. This is easily one of my favorites as well. I actually just made you watch this not too long ago because we talked about it a little bit. It, it explained the Batman v Superman dynamic very yeah, well. Yeah, it, yeah, their relationship. It explains their relationship really well. And it also explains, it shows why everybody's scared of Batman because he has plans in place. He could take out any member of the Justice League at any given time. He knows exactly how to do it. He's got the plan in place. And this movie explores that, the, the morality of should he have those plans in place? Because Superman said, well, what's the plan to stop you? And Batman's like, the Justice League. Spoilers. Um, spoilers! Since we're already talking spoilers, and then immediately after that, that proves to Superman that Batman is trustworthy, and he actually hands Batman back his kryptonite bullet. So basically, that's, that's the dynamic of Superman-Batman. They don't fully understand each other, but they know they can trust each other. That didn't come across terribly well in Batman v Superman or the Justice League. I think they were trying to develop that, but they just didn't have the time to get there because they were trying to cram so much else in there. Again, if those had been, instead of two movies, had been four movies, I think we could have gotten there. I think at the end of the fourth movie would have been the beginning of that relationship. I think they tried to do that at the end of Batman v Superman when he's like, I'll go save Martha, you go take care of everything else. I think that was, was intended to be the beginning of it, but we didn't get that. The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. This dives into the future. Batman is retired. He's been retired. In this... Spoilers! Spoilers again! In this series, in these two movies, the, the main premise is, basically, they've done the Superhero Registration Act, more or less, where... Vigilanteism is outlawed and Superman works directly for the government. Things get out of control. Batman has to come back. So this is the big Batman v Superman, their big battle, where you get the big epic, I want you to know the one man who beat you. Batman takes out Superman and taunts him while he does it. And in that movie, in the second part of it, basically Joker had been locked away and has been had never hadn't even said a word in years because without Batman he doesn't have anything to do hmm. so he he becomes completely sane but then he sees Batman come back and then he gets excited and he comes back and he kills a bunch of people and at the end of this one he finally kills Joker kind of <laughs> basically he beats Joker to the point that he is paralyzed and then Joker kind of tweaks just right and breaks his own neck, but it looks like Batman killed him. Oh, okay. So then Batman becomes the killer that everybody thought that he could be or would be. It's a very interesting ending to the Batman series. So, so that's the conclusion of the Batman yes. series? So if you look at Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2, that's basically fast forward to the end of Batman. And yeah, it's very interesting. Well, I think the way I'll wrap that up, I, I really want to hear other people's ideas. If you've got an idea, if you got a good idea of a casting choice or a, ca a storyline choice. A casting choice. choice or a story. Yeah, what yeah. movie, or even if you wanted to stick with Robert Pattinson, 
What, I mean, what do you want to see? What do you from want to see? What, what's the What's the next Batman story you want to see in a live action movie? Yeah, it would be you, interesting. Or do you think that a different a different format, like a television series or a Batman into the Batverse Here, type of animated movie, would be yeah. a better way to go about it? Here's an interesting question: Should they continue to try to adapt comic book stories, or should they just come up with a brand new original material? That's always a great question. I mean, there haven't been too many attempts to do that and i think that might be the thing where it comes back to hollywood selling the concept of that is easier when say oh you'll at least get the nerds because this is based on a comic book character they'll come see it if it's a completely from scratch story it's harder to sell yeah some of the animated movies are actually nearly direct adaptations from the books so like you've got the killing joke that's they made a movie based off that very popular book, but they changed a couple of minor things to make it a surprise. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And then they added a little bit of material to give it a little more time. And that really threw a lot of people off. A lot of people didn't like that one. I'm thinking about doing episodes where I compare the animated movie to the book series. You know, what did they change? What's the differences? What did I like better? What did I like worse? They would give me an excuse to read more of the books. And watch the movies again. I would like to see that. I also would like to see you again because you're sort of our resident Batman expert. I, I would also like, I mean, we, we've talked briefly about doing something with the Joker, but even... Yes, the, even, let's dive into the Joker. But even whether it's animated, cartoon series, television series, movie, some stuff that this takes a look at the different ways that different characters were done. Like Two-Face and the Riddler. The Joker is it's easy because he's been done a couple of times. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, any any of those types of storylines would be interesting to me. But, yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, if people want to hear it, I'll be happy to do it. All right. Well, uh, let us know what you think. Batman storylines, Batman actors. Be interesting to read. Thank you for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating, leave us a comment, reach out to us on Twitter at fanboyandhater, email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for iOS and Android. Find us on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.